It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. We're starting things off today, letting you know the Help Wanted sign is still out at Sportsman's Cove Lodge on Prince of Wales Island in southeast Alaska. They're looking for seasonal workers this summer. In particular, they are looking for an experienced charter boat captain, and you don't have to have experience fishing in Alaskan waters to succeed here. So... If you're an experienced captain or no one who might be interested in working in a beautiful setting with very good pay, generous tips, your own accommodations, and great food, go to the Sportsman's Cove Lodge website. You'll find it at alaskasbestlodge.com and go to the Contact Us page for this job and there's other well-paying positions too. We are talking about positions on the maintenance team and the hospitality team. Again, this is a great job and a lot of the folks that come here for a seasonal position, they stay year after year. Again, that website to go to is alaskasbestlodge.com if you're looking for seasonal employment in Alaska at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. This week on America Outdoors Radio, we've got a great guest lineup for you today. We'll be talking to Ryan Mosley in just a minute. He's with the Utah Department of Wildlife Resources, and he's going to tell you about one of the best fishing lakes in the West, Flaming Gorge Reservoir on the border of Wyoming and Utah. It's known for big lake trout, and it's probably the best trophy kokanee fishery in the United States. However, they're having some problems with too many smaller lake trout in there, and Ryan needs some help. He'll tell you more about that in just a minute. After that, we'll talk to Brian Lynn. He's with the Sportsman's Alliance Foundation. He's going to let you know about a lawsuit filed by an environmental activist group, the Center for Biological Diversity, against the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. President Trump opened additional fishing and hunting opportunities at 100 refuges across America, and the environmental group is suing to stop this from happening. Pro-hunting groups are trying to get involved with this, but are having a hard time doing so. Brian will tell you more about what's going on here during this show. Following that conversation, we're going to have a very moving conversation with Bill Evans. We're going to be talking about his daughter, Ariana. She suffered from spina bifida, and she unfortunately has passed, but she partnered with Hunt of a Lifetime and other organizations to go on some very memorable turkey hunts with her dad. And we're going to share her story and maybe motivate you or somebody you know to arrange a hunt as well with our partners at, at the Hunt of a Lifetime Foundation. Our final guest today will be Steve Caramile with the Washington Department of Fish and wildlife that's because this weekend is the lowland lakes opener we've got about 200 lakes opening up for fishing this weekend and trout is on everybody's mind not only that but the annual statewide trout derby kicks off today and if you catch a tagged fish between now and october 31st you can turn it in for some really great prizes. We're talking not only gift cards from sporting goods stores, but even stays at resorts and some high quality fishing rods. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at WorkSharp. They're the ones that make those fabulous knife and tool sharpeners you can use in the shop or in the field. And you've got to check out their lineup of kitchen knife sharpeners too. We've all got a kitchen. We all need sharp knives. And the 
the manual and powered knife sharpeners they have for your kitchen will come in very handy for that. I've got one in my kitchen, use it all the time, and they're affordable. They work great. You'll want one too. Check them out at WorkSharpTools.com. That's WorkSharpTools.com or look for them at quality stores near you. Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we are taking you to one of the premier fishing destinations in the western United States. It's Flaming Gorge Reservoir. It's located on the border of Wyoming and Utah. It's a huge reservoir, 91 miles long, and people come there to fish for lake trout because they get really big. They come there to fish for Trophy Kokanee, might be the best Trophy Kokanee destination in the United States. They also go there for cutthroat trout, for rainbow trout, and there's even burbot and smallmouth bass too. With us here to tell you more about the state of the fisheries in this reservoir is Ryan Mosley. He's the Flaming Gorge Project Leader for the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources. Ryan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, managing a reservoir like this for all these different fisheries has got to be a complicated thing to do. Your agency just issued a press release asking folks to start keeping the lake trout they catch that are under 25 inches in size. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about why you want them to do that? Yeah, so this is actually something we've been working on for quite a while. I mean, the last time we increased our lake trout limit, it was eight fish. And then more recently, we've gone to 12 fish limit. And that's just for fish under 28 inches. So what we're hoping to accomplish, and this is working with in conjunction with Wyoming Game and Fish as well, what we're hoping to accomplish is to use anglers to help us reduce the population. We have an overabundancy of small lake trout, specifically those fish under 25 inches, and we're trying to reduce the numbers of those fish because they're having impacts to the kokanee population in the reservoir. And of course, kokanee are like the bread and butter fishery here is what a lot of people come here to target. And then they're also, they're a dual purpose component to the fishery where they're also the, the preferred for for our trophy lake trout. So we're trying to minimize the impacts to the kokanee population by reducing the abundance of those smaller lake trout, which have been problematic in recent years. When it comes to this fishery, I'm sure when they catch a kokanee, anglers are keeping it because it's just such a delicious fish. What about with the lake trout, though? Are most anglers keeping the lake trout they catch or are they throwing them back? So prior to recent years, you know, we saw like a high release rate on lake trout. And that's not too surprising. You know, most people have this perception that if I release this fish one day, it's going to grow up and be a 20 or 30 or 40 pounder. And that's definitely not the case. We see lake trout in the reservoir that have two different growth trajectories. Most of the small ones are definitely competing for food resources, so they're growing at a slower rate. But only X number of fish have the capability to achieve those trophy size classes. When it comes to other species like kokanee salmon, yeah, we see people harvest a lot of them. But if they don't, it definitely we see higher mortality rates on species of that nature as well. The lake trout, are they affecting other species like the rainbow trout and the cutthroat trout? I know that's happened in places like Flathead Lake in Montana. They definitely utilize rainbow trout. We stock our rainbow trout in Flaming Gorge Reservoir, both agencies, well, and, and also the Fish and Wildlife Service help stock Flaming Gorge with cutthroat trout and rainbow trout. And lake trout definitely utilize those species as well, consume them. They're, they're a big prey item specifically for trophy lake trout, but the bulk of the, the predation is on kokanee salmon. So you're asking anglers to catch their limit, if they can, of 12 lakers that are 28 inches or less, and please keep the 25-inch or less ones because you're going to be helping the resource there. But you're doing more than that. I understand there's like three fishing derbies coming up that are all about catching these smaller lake trout. Tell our listeners more about these. 
Yeah, so right now we have the population con- control contest. It's going on right now. It's hosted out of Buckboard Marina, and it's a tagged lake trout tournament. We actually tagged 100 lake trout back in the fall. And each of these lake trout, they're less than 25 inches. They have a visible implant tag on them. I think they're pink this year. And if an angler catches one of those fish and they're already registered for this event, it could be worth up to $100 instant cash prize. Nice. And then on top of that, they get put in for other prizes at the end of the event on June 12th. So that's pretty cool. And then another option that we have, or three other options we have coming up, are the Flaming Gorge Fish Derby from May 14th through the 15th. That's hosted out of Lucerne Valley Marina. That has a pup lake trout category. So the biggest average weight of lake trout less than 25 inches for the two-day event. There's also the Hells on Reels Derby out of Buckboard Marina on June 11th and 12th. It also has a pup lake trout category looking at average weight over the course of two days for fish less than 25 inches. And then Ducks Unlimited Gorge Derby on June 25th through the 26th. And it also has a a pup lake trout category giving out money for for the biggest weight, you know, brought in for the two-day event. So these these organizations uh, work really close with us. They're great organizations to work with, and they're helping us by trying to respond and help anglers reduce some of the abundance of these smaller lake trout in the reservoir. So it's been really advantageous working with them on these events. Well, it sounds like a great excuse to go fishing and bring home some lakers for the table and maybe some prizes too. Is there a website people should go to if they want to find out more about fishing these derbies and fishing at Flaming Gorge Reservoir? Yeah, if you want to look at just fishing Flaming Gorge Reservoir as a whole, you can either go to our division website, utahwildlife.gov, or the Wyoming Game and Fish website as well, and you can just click on their Green River Management Region, and it comes up with a lot of fishing opportunities and management articles that we have regarding lake trout and kokanee salmon on, and even bourbon on Flaming Gorge. And then you can also follow both agencies on Facebook to find out more information. And then if you're interested in those specific tournaments, you can look at Buckboard Marina's website for their two derbies, the Ducks Unlimited website for the Flaming Gorge Derby in June, and then also Lucerne Valley Marina's website for the Flaming Gorge Fish Derby in May. All right. Flaming Gorge Reservoir, folks, if you haven't fished it yet, make plans to do so. It is one of America's premier lake trout and kokanee destinations. Ryan, thanks so much for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thanks for having me. In today's news, I'm cooking a brisket. Let's go to Jill at my house to see how it's going. This is your house and you brought me and the crew to check on your brisket? That's correct, Jill. How's it looking? This is a Camp Chef Woodwind Wi-Fi. You know you you can check your cook right from your phone, right? I didn't know that was an option, Jill. Well, never mind. But before you leave, can you feed the dog? What? No, no. When we get back, why is my check engine light on? The answer may shock me. Why book at Sportsman's Cove Lodge? Why is Alaska like no other place on earth? It hasn't changed in thousands of years. From the way you get here on a float plane to the way you go out with the guides and the boats, it's just a professional experience. And I said, this is as good as it gets. I said, if you can't catch fish here, you can't catch fish anywhere. Your experience with us will leave you speechless. Book now at alaskasbestlodge.com. 
Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter, full of the gear you need to succeed this hunting season. Firearms, ammo, archery equipment, decoys, clothing, boots, and more. Find a location near you or shop online today at sportsmans.com. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We need to shine a light on an issue you probably haven't heard about. It involves our U.S. fish and wildlife refuges. As you may recall, under President Trump's administration, more hunting and fishing access was being allowed at 100 different refuges and properties that are managed by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. But the Center for Biological Diversity filed a lawsuit against the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to halt this. With us here to tell you more about this is Brian Lynn with the Sportsman's Alliance. Brian, great to have you back on the show. Great to be back, John. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about this group, the Center for Biological Diversity. What are they trying to accomplish with this lawsuit? Well, that kind of remains to be seen, but uh, what they filed it under is that the expansion is illegal and doesn't need to happen, even though Biden had just expanded access in like August and they filed the lawsuit in November just challenging the Trump stuff. But this has been going on since 1997. Every president has expanded access. You know, the Sportsman's Alliance helped write the uh, 1997 Refuge Improvement Act that made hunting and fishing priority uses. And so every president since has expanded access into these lands. So they filed a lawsuit challenging the Trump expansion, saying that hunters will trample habitat where black bear and grizzly bear habitats overlap. They could end up shooting a grizzly bear by mistake or out of self-defense, and that's an endangered species violation. And then they said that they are poisoning the the water and land and killing wildlife with spent ammunition from guns and fishing gear, you know, lead, lead bullets and lead fishing gear. And so they want that stopped. On the backside, we think that's the ultimate goal, is that they are trying to make everything lead-free and force everybody to use the alternative metals. And that's pretty much been what we've heard from the backside you know, at different meetings, senior policy guys said that's what's been going on. Talks have been revolving around. So I'm sure the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service basically told the Center for Biological Diversity, we'll see you in court. We're going to fight this hard, right? <laughs> they should have. They should have because we want a suit just like this in 2003. So we have strong precedent. We have strong legal standing. That's exactly what they should have done. But lo and behold, out of nowhere, as we were getting ready to file intervener status, us and our partners were going to file intervener status, you know, as as friends of the court and to be a part of the lawsuit, U.S. Fish and Wildlife entered into a stay so they could enter into settlement talks with them. They haven't said boo to us or any of our partners about it and haven't told us what's going on at all. And so that's really frustrating because anything that they negotiate and settle on is going to be a loss to sportsmen. The partner organizations we're talking about here include Safari Club International, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, the National Rifle Association, and of course, the Sportsman's Alliance. Why don't you explain what intervener status is and what that does? Yeah, you're filing, you know, to step in and and be basically a friend of the court and the the friend of the government and, and also show that you are representing, you know, diverse 
spectrum of people and you bring specialized knowledge and special interests to a general court case. And we filed the intervener status and last week the judge said no. Who is this judge and, and why would he say this? He's U.S. District Court Judge Donald Malloy, appointed in 1996, I believe, uh, late 90s anyways, by Clinton. And he said basically that we bring no more specialized information than what U.S. Fish and Wildlife can already do, and we don't need to be a part of the lawsuit. He went even further and said we can't even file comment in an amicus brief to uh, state our concerns and state this. He said basically, sit down, shut up, and trust the government to do the job. Well, I think in this day and age, very few of us are trusting the government to do the job, though I do understand that dozens of congressional members who are part of the Congressional Western Caucus are trying to get involved with this lawsuit. Tell us about this. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's starting to uh, pick up some steam in that the fact that we aren't, you know, at the table. I mean, sportsmen fund the refuge system to a, over a billion dollars. They funded it, you know, duck stamps, purchase and upgrades and everything else of the refuge system. We're huge funders, contributors, and major users of it, and we're locked out of this negotiation. And so the Western Caucus members have stepped up. Dan Newhouse here in Washington has stepped up and, and are leading the push in Congress against this. And, you know, now it's political and everything else when it should have been. We're all on the same side. Right. Um, so it's kind of frustrating. And what's really bad is if they settle, then Center for Biological Diversity can recoup all of their legal costs and attorney fees from the government. And so and, and they're very well known for doing this. I mean... Tens of millions of dollars they've gotten from the government through sue and settle tactics. So there's two two hits here. You know, it's going to hurt sportsmen and it's going to cost taxpayers. Not only is it going to cost taxpayers, it's going to just go fund the Center for Biological Diversity to do more lawsuits. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, exactly. they're not going to take any of this money and spend it on our refuges or anything like that. No. They're just using it for lawsuits. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's them recouping their their legal fees, and then they just use that to keep filing more lawsuits to advance their agenda, which is an anti-hunting, anti-sportsman agenda. So I guess the last questions I have are these. Number one, looking at your crystal ball, now that Congress is getting involved, and, and by the way, uh, Representative Newhouse is the chairman of the Congressional Western Caucus, and I'm glad he's taking the lead on this. Now that Congress is getting involved, you know, what do you expect is going to happen, and, and what can people listening to the show do to help turn the tide and, and get the Fish and Wildlife Service to actually grow a spine? Yeah. Well, you know, it's politics and this administration doesn't seem to be real sportsman friendly. So voting and and voting for those who represent your interests is huge. Calling your representatives, you know, your national representatives and senators and thanking them, you know, like Newhouse or urging them to raise some hell with Biden's basically administration. And going forward, we're all going to appeal. Our hunting partnership is appealing the decision because it wasn't even challenged by Center for Biological Diversity. So we're going to appeal to the Ninth Circuit and see if we can get interject back into this case and have a little more influence on it. Well, I hope the appeal is successful. And unfortunately, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is uh, famously progressive, so you might not get too much help there. But who knows? It might make it it to the Supreme Court, and maybe they will make a decision that is in favor of hunters and anglers and those who want to recreate our national wildlife refuges. 
Hopefully, hopefully we, we get something and get somewhere and uh, keep these lands open because it's a slippery slope from the refuge system to all federal lands. You know, BLM, Forest Service, whatever could quickly and easily jump to lead free. And we're already in the largest ammo shortage in probably history. And if we have to just use alternative metals, not only is it going to be expensive, it's going to be very hard to find. It's hard enough, but all you can use are the lead-free things. You probably won't be hunting. Brian, thank you as always for shining a light on issues like this. And folks, if you want to find out more about the great work that the Sportsman's Alliance is doing, just go to their website, sportsmansalliance.org. That's sportsmansalliance.org. Take care, Brian. Thank you very much. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at WorkSharp. And if you are hunting this fall, you know the importance of a sharp knife. You're going to need it for gutting that animal, butchering that animal, taking the hide off that animal, and there's a good chance... You have to sharpen it more than once while you're doing these things in the field. That's why a pocket knife sharpener or the guided field sharpener from WorkSharp are great items to have with you. Whether you're after deer, elk, pronghorn, or bear, a sharp knife helps you get things done after you drop that animal. Look for WorkSharp products at sporting goods stores, hardware stores, and ranch and home stores near you, or online at WorkSharpTools.com. That's WorkSharpTools.com. Come explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. Hunting is conservation. At the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, we salute hunters for providing the majority of conservation funding across the U.S. Join us for our annual fundraising banquet to benefit wildlife and the mission of the RMEF. Take you, you take me back. Let's put pennies on a railroad track. Fireflies in a mason jar. Hide and see. There you are, just a boy back then. I didn't know anything. Welcome back to America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. If you listen to the show, you know that one of our sponsors is Hunt of a Lifetime. This is a nonprofit organization that takes youth that are under 21 who are suffering from life-threatening illnesses or disabilities on the hunt or a fishing trip of a lifetime. And we've got Bill Evans on the line because Bill's daughter, Ariana, got to take advantage of one of these hunts. And we want to tell you all about this experience. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you. So you're coming at us today from the Keystone State of Pennsylvania. That's where you and Ariana lived. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Ariana as a person and, and the illness that she battled? She was born with a, a birth defect called spina bifida, and she was in a wheelchair 
most of her life. We tried to get her to uh, use a brace and a walker, but, you know, as time went on, that just became more and more difficult for her. And to make life easier on her, she just started using a wheelchair. So uh, we spent a lot of time pushing that wheelchair out through uh, the woods, stream banks and whatever, because we were a very outdoor-oriented family. And we spent a lot of time trout fishing and turkey hunting and deer hunting because those were some of the the easier things that we could do together. Spina bifida, what does that do to a person in terms of how does it affect them? Well, what happens is the spinal cord never grows together in the spine. So depending on where the lesion is at, it will stop nerves from going down through the rest of the body. And she didn't have a whole lot of sensation below her rib cage. And she had absolutely no sensation down through her legs and stuff. So, you know, it created a lot of hurdles that you and I wouldn't have to go through. She she battled through all of this until she passed on the age of 24. But when she was younger, when she was 15, you found out about this nonprofit group, Hunt of a Lifetime. And how did you find out about this group? And, and how did you line up the turkey hunt that Ariana went on? I honestly don't know how I found out, but we had found out long before that. We went to a lot of, uh, like, outdoor sporting shows and... I think kind of a lifetime usually had a booth probably at any of those outdoor sporting shows that we went to. At the one outdoor show that we went to quite a bit, there was a group there called Penswood Game Calls. And the owners really took a shine to Ariana. So anyhow, we chatted with them a number of different years before Ariana was even old enough to hunt or anything. And we'd only see them once a year. Right. So anyhow, just them chit-chatting back and forth, we thought when we found out about Hunt of a Lifetime, maybe we could go hunting with them because they just, you know, Ariana and and the group just really liked each other. So anyhow, we started emailing back and forth to try and make some arrangements. And he said, you know what, let's not even do Hunt of a Lifetime how about you just come down and go hunting with us? You know, they were only like two hours south of us. So we skipped the uh, Hunt of a Lifetime application. And actually, they put us up in a hotel and, you know, we shared some pizza, stuff like that. And we actually went hunting with them a couple of times. And so then anyhow, there was a number of people who actually put in an application for Ariana to do a Hunt of a Lifetime. So we were starting to get stuff through the mail and emails and stuff like that from Hunt of a Lifetime that they were wanting to send her on a trip. And then there was another group that we ran into, and they were called the Pennsylvania Sportsman's Portal at the time. They've changed names since. And uh, they got a hold of us, and they wanted to take Ariana on her Hunt of a Lifetime. So we talked with them pretty extensively, and Hunt of a Lifetime offers money to take children on hunting trips or fishing trips or whatever their dream may be. And anyhow, the, the Sportsman's Portal had done a couple fundraisers 
and they actually raised the money that it would take to take Ariana on this hunting trip. And so anyhow, we continued talking with kind of a lifetime and the sportsman's portal and Ariana thought she wanted to go to South Dakota and hunt turkey out there because she uh, liked the Miriam's turkey. And she got to tie Penswood's game calls in. They actually had a TV show at the time, and they had gone hunting for Miriam's turkeys and showed the video. And she thought that would just be super cool to hunt those turkeys out in South Dakota. So that was going to be our hunt of a lifetime. We wanted to go to South Dakota and hunt Miriam's turkeys. When did that hunt happen and how did it go? Well, it happened in the spring of 2009 and Ariana got sick in the middle of it and she wasn't able to actually get a turkey, but uh, we all as a family had bought turkey tags for when we were out there because honestly we expected her to get a turkey and we thought maybe we would also get a turkey or two while we were out there. And, well, as it turned out, I was the only one to get a turkey, but Ariana was sitting beside me in the blind when it happened. So Nice. What did that experience mean to her? Is that something that she treasured for a long time? Oh, yeah. She talked about that for a long time before we ever got to go, and then she talked about it forever afterwards. Well, and again, it sounds like it was uh, a combined effort from uh, the Game Call Company, from this other nonprofit, and Hunt of a Lifetime. So I'm just really glad that it all came together. Wish Ariana could have gotten her gobbler out there, but, you know, spending quality time with her father in a setting like South Dakota uh, truly would have been a Hunt of a Lifetime. And I'm glad that she had that memory that she was able to treasure. Well, that's what she probably treasured the most was, you know, just sharing the blind time because her and I spent an awful lot of time hunting in the blind for archery deer and for um, turkey. And, you know, she probably got some of the best naps in her life uh, while we were sitting in the blind. (laughs) And some of the best father-daughter time as well. Uh, We we are completely out of time, Bill, but I want to thank you so much for sharing Ariana's story with us today. And folks, if you know somebody who is suffering from a a life-threatening illness or disability and they're under the age of 21 and and they want to go on the hunt of a lifetime or maybe the fishing trip of a lifetime, go to huntofalifetime.org. That's the website to go to, huntofalifetime.org. They will definitely do what they can to, to help make that happen for you, and it won't cost you anything either. They don't charge anything for these hunts, experiences that families and individuals will treasure for the rest of their lives. Bill, thanks again for sharing Ariana's story with us today. Sure. Could I could I say one more thing before I go? Absolutely. Because of her inspiration, there's a group created called Camo Cares, and they started raising money to send kids on, on hunts like that, and they've even branched out to uh, send veterans on their hunt. And every year they have an archery shoot and some raffles, and they used to have a couple bands come in. And because of sponsors and stuff like that, they're raising over $100,000. Camo Cares then, after they raised the money, they donated two hunt of a lifetime to send all those kids on the hunt. 
this group is called Camo Cares, is that correct? Correct, yes. And are they Pennsylvania? Yes, they are. Well, folks, uh, another group that's definitely worth checking out, Camo Cares. Check them out and check out again, Hunt of a Lifetime. You'll find Hunt of a Lifetime at huntofalifetime.org. Let's transition out of this segment the same way we came into it with one of my favorite songs from Frank Prenovos, Tomorrow is Yesterday. Well, I'll take you, you tag me back. Let's put pennies on a railroad track. Fireflies in a mason jar. Hide and see, there you are. We love our children. We protect them. We guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstances, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the darkest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true. To provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities, Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference. That's huntofalifetime.org. Ready to step up to a quality-built rifle or shotgun that's a true classic? Check out Henry Repeating Arms, American-made. There's over 200 models to choose from in a variety of finishes and calibers for hunters and target shooters. Many of these are lever-action models with a look right out of the Old West. Don't be deceived, though. Henry Repeating Arms are modern, rugged, accurate, reliable, and have a lifetime guarantee. Find out more and order a free catalog today at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. Country Hunters and Anglers. You may have heard of us, but what are we about? BHA is the voice for your wild public lands, waters, and wildlife. From national level policy work to boots on the ground projects like public land cleanups, we work across North America to uphold the legacy of our public lands and waters, as well as your opportunity to hunt, fish, and recreate on them. Stand up for public lands and waters and become a BHA member today. Visit backcountryhunters.org. Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give you even more incredible savings during the bedding sale. 50% off comforters, quilts, blankets. You know that two-inch mattress topper? 50% off sheets and sleepwear. All you have to do is go to MyPillow.com, scroll down. You'll see on the left side a box that says Radio Listener Special. You click on that, and then you see even more specials. In addition to the ones I just mentioned, make sure you enter promo code KEN. That's my name, K-E-N, KEN. You don't have to mention my full name, Ken Matthews, but just put KEN in there. Plus, there's an overstock sale on couch pillows, not couch potatoes, pillows, individual towels, select pillowcases. You could get a full body pillow. That's for your entire body for only $39.99. More great savings from MyPillow.com. Made in America. Luxurious. Quality. Check it out at MyPillow.com. Promo code KEN. (laughs) 
Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we are taking you to the Pacific Northwest, Washington State, because this weekend is a really big weekend for trout anglers. It's the Lowland Lakes opener, the most popular fishing day of the year. With us here to tell you more about it is Steve Caramile, the Inland Fish Program Manager for the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. Steve, great to have you on the show. John, it's great to be back once again. Thanks. So a lot of lakes in Washington State are actually open year-round, but a lot of them open the fourth weekend of April, and these are usually trout lakes that open up. How many lakes do open up this weekend, and give or take, how many anglers are coming out for opening day? Yeah, so you're right. This is one of the most popular days for, for sport fishing in Washington. You know, here in Washington, we have about seven or 8,000 lakes in the state, and we stock trout and kokanee in about 750 of those lakes. Those can be high lakes, those can be lowland lakes, those can be uh, some of our larger reservoirs like Banks Lake over by you. But for opening day specifically, we do, I think it's just over 200 lakes that get stocked on a yearly basis. All right. And do we have any sort of idea of how many anglers generally come out for this weekend every year? Oh, geez. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, when you look at license sales for us, as far as inland fisheries go, we sell, uh, let's say about between 650 and 700,000 licenses on a yearly basis. And kind of like we said in the beginning here, you know, trout fishing is one of the most popular fishing activities in Washington. About 75% of, of those anglers fish for trout. And so for opening day, we don't know exactly how many come out, but a very high proportion of that 75% comes out and goes fishing. Yep. And a lot of them, folks, they're, they're families. You never see so many families at the lake as you do on opening day. Now, let's talk a little bit about the, the trout you do stock. I think most people expect to catch stocked rainbow trout. I know that over the course of a year, your agency stocks 16 million fish into lakes around the state, but you also stock other species of trout. Why don't you tell our listeners what they are and, and why these different species get stocked in some lakes instead of rainbows? Yeah, so you're right. About 16 million trout and kokanee is what we stock. Uh, you know, Washington has probably one of the largest hatchery systems in, in the country and actually in the world as well. And when we stock trout, yeah, the vast majority is uh, rainbow trout. I think, you know, if we're doing about 16, 16 and a half million trout overall, about 7 million of those are going to be rainbow trout and about another 7 million are going to be kokanee. So we do kokanee in a lot of our larger reservoirs. Geez, uh, you know, once again, over by you, Banks Lake gets kokanee. You know, there's, there's a whole bunch of, a couple of dozen reservoirs that get kokanee. But we also do brown trout. We do some of our local cutthroat trout, you know, West Slope cutthroat trout. We do some coastal cutthroat. Triploid eastern brook trout, you know, once again, sterilized eastern brook trout. We will use those in some of our, you know, some of our smaller, you know, high mountain lakes and things like that. Golden trout, we do get some golden trout from Wyoming, you know, once a year. And it's a very small number, about 4,000 total and once again, those go into some of our higher mountain lakes where they, they do really well in the high lakes. And then we do tiger trout. You know, tiger trout is a hybrid of a brown trout and a eastern brook trout. And we do those in some of our, you know, lowland lakes as well. You know, they're a pretty big predator, just like brown trout can be. So, you know, once again, yeah, we, we do a lot of different species, but it's, it's all about, you know, having a different type of opportunity out there for anglers. 
When it comes to stocking the browns and the tigers, are you putting these fish into lakes where there's maybe some less desirable fish that you're hoping that these types of trout will get rid of? Yeah, so, you know, we'll do some of the brown trout and some of the tiger trout in, well, let's let's say some lakes where we might know that there's some, some stunted eastern brook trout where they will, you know, help keep those numbers down a little bit. But a lot of times we also see that the, the brown trout actually eat things like snails as well. So it's, it's, it's all lake dependent. Very interesting. All right, let's turn our attention to the annual trout derby that the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife does every year. This year, I understand that there's... 800 tagged fish swimming around area lakes. How do folks find out where these lakes are and what kind of prizes are we talking about? Wow. So yeah, John, you're, you're right. So this is year seven of our WDFW Trout Derby, our yearly trout derby. And it's just been well received over the past couple of years. And so we're going to keep going with this. So as far as finding out, you know, what the lakes are that are getting stocked, it's mostly the same lakes that we've done in the past. There's been a few changes. If you go to the, our website, the Derby website, wdfwderby.com, go there and there's a, a link on there which will tell you which lakes are being stocked. And there's about 100, and if I remember the right number, about 115 lakes that we're stocking uh, around the state. So this really wouldn't be a success without all the businesses that we have participating in this. We've got over 70 businesses that are all of our licensed dealers from around the state, and they're the ones that are supplying all the, the prizes for the Derby. And as far as prizes go, we've got things like lemon glass fishing rods. We've got gift cards from $100 down to you know $25, I think, is the minimum. Overnight lodging, boat rentals, there's a whole host of the stuff that these guys are providing. As a matter of fact, folks, we're talking about the prizes are actually worth $37,000. So if you catch a tagged fish out of one of these lakes, and I guess the last question I have is, what color are the tags this year? Yeah, so the tags are, are white. They're going to be just sticking out of the, the back up by the dorsal fin of the fish. And on the tag, it gives you the, our website, the wdfwderby.com. You go to that website, you put in the tag number where you caught the fish, and it tells you how to claim your prize. All right. And this derby, folks, goes all the way through the end of October. So come on out to a lake in Washington State. Bring your trout rod, bring your spinners, your spoons, your flies, and your power bait, and see if you can catch some fish, not only this weekend, which is opening weekend, but all through the summer and into fall, and look for some of those tagged fish, too. The website to go to, again, is wdfwderby.com. Steve, thanks for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thanks a lot, John. Earlier during this show, we shared that very moving conversation with Bill Evans about his daughter, Ariana, who went out with Hunt of a Lifetime and several other organizations and companies for some magnificent turkey hunts that she got to enjoy before she passed. And if you want to get your child into hunting, you need to start them off right. You don't want to start them off with a shotgun that's either too small or too big. A 12-gauge, that kick can just be too much for a kid. On the other hand, a 410 can be not enough in terms of being able to do the job on the game that you're after. So consider a 20-gauge, and Henry Repeating Arms has a single-shot youth shotgun that comes in 20-gauge. It's got a blued steel barrel. It's got 
really nice looking walnut stock and forearm and it's shortened just for you so they can get that trigger pull they need and that 20 gauge just doesn't kick as much as a 12 gauge. You can look at it yourself by going to henryusa.com. Just look for the single shot youth shotgun and then look for a dealer near you and see if they have it in stock. You can also ask any questions you might have with the award-winning customer service staff. And I promise you that your kid is going to love this shotgun because like all of the firearms from Henry Repeating Arms, this one is made in America. It's rugged, it's reliable, and it's accurate right out of the box. The website again, henryusa.com, and don't forget to ask for your free decals and catalog while you're there. Speaking of shotguns, if you enjoy busting a few clay pigeons from time to time, especially on a sporting clays course, and you find yourself anywhere near Lenoke, Arkansas, you might want to check out the Remington Gun Club that is now open to the public. They've got a new 13-station sporting clays course. The Remington Gun Club has been around for a while, since 1978, but it was never open to the public before. That has changed, and not only that, they've got their first spring sporting clays league with two divisions, 17 and younger and 18 and older. That league started its shooting competition on April 6th and will continue through May 22nd. And weekly winners win ammunition and there's some additional cash prizes too. In addition to this, the Remington Gun Club is also set up to accommodate private events, whether you're looking to host a fundraiser or maybe a corporate meeting or even a weekend getaway. You can find out more about busting some clays at the Remington Gun Club by going to Remington.com. It's time to start wrapping things up, but just a reminder, if you are an experienced charter boat captain or know somebody who is and you're looking for some very profitable and fun seasonal employment, check out alaskasbestlodge.com. That's the website for Sportsman's Cove Lodge in southeast Alaska. They are looking for an experienced charter boat captain with a U.S. Coast Guard license. You can contact Captain Mac McQuarrie. He is the owner of Sportsman's Cove Lodge and inquire further about this opportunity we're talking about an opportunity that's going to last oh i'm thinking from late may until mid-september here and there's a really good chance that if you do a good job you'll have the opportunity to come back again for several years on that note we've got to go but here's hoping you are blessed in the days ahead here's hoping you stay healthy and here's hoping you get some time to enjoy mother nature whether you're fishing or turkey hunting or hiking or wildlife watching or anything else after all it is your country and your outdoors so get out there and enjoy it <laughs>